What is up, boss and baddies? Welcome back to another episode of Drinks After Work. I'm Shannon. And I'm Gail. And I'm Gail. Thank you for being here. Welcome back, baddies. How are you, my little fiance? I'm so good. I'm I'm good. It's been like a week. I know. How do you feel? I feel I feel so good. Ooh. You know what it is? I feel good because I'm engaged. I'm happy. And it's like now it's like people know. And I feel like this past weekend was just like the perfect. I'm not going to say end to an era because I guess it's like it's the beginning of an era. But Mm -hmm. there's like this feeling where when something really big happens in your life and all you want to do is run and tell the people that you love and spend time with them and like love up on them and like be around them and like share stories. And I feel like last week when we recorded, I had just gotten back from London and I was listening back to our episode and like, it was kind of cute, but I was also like, kind of, it was was so cute. I listened three times, but I also was like, definitely still a little bit in shock and kind of like, you know, what's like, what is life in like the, in the best way possible. And I'm, I'm happy that I felt like the podcast last week was an opportunity to genuinely process. I feel like in that mm-hmm. moment, I processed like how I was feeling. I don't I think definitely I knew. feel like you were in shock because as the weekend went on, I was so lucky to see you Friday, Saturday and Sunday, three oh, days in a row. Um, but it was funny how the weekend evolved. Like I would hear little things from you about the engagement that you didn't mention on the podcast, like little minor things, like funny, cute things. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like it's, it's probably just coming back to her now. It's yeah. And even like, I feel like the podcast was such a godsend because when I was in London when I first came back, like, you know, my my family and close friends would ask me questions about, like, how did it happen? Like, what did he say? How did you feel? And I was like, oh, it was really good. Oh, it was cute. Yeah, I don't really remember anything. And then the podcast, I feel like, is the first time I actually processed my emotions. It's the first time I've ever cried on the podcast, I think. First time any of us, either of us have ever cried on the podcast. And I think that was the first time I was really able to process, like, okay, like, this is how I'm feeling. This is how it much it meant to me. And then over the weekend, I was talking to my sister and I was able to kind of, you know, open up to her a little bit. And she's like, I didn't know any of this when we were in London. And I'm like, I think because I was so in shock and I hadn't processed it. So I think talking it out was really healthy. But then I think over the weekend too, spending time with, um, so on Friday, we had a girls night. We went to Coquette. So 10 out of good. 10, by the way, recommend. They they put us at a good table, which I think helps, but like music was on fleek. Like if you want to have a fun girls night, especially right before the holidays, get dressed up, get decked out. Like I was wearing a sparkly top. It's like one of those places where you feel confident doing that. Yes. And baddies, ask your waiter for a South End Royale. It is the okay. best thing. Just don't ask questions. Just order it. It is just so it. yummy. Yes. So yummy. We split a bunch of apps. Um, like I, everything we... And then we got mains. I don't, remember, I don't even remember what I got. I think I got the salmon. It was delicious. But I got everything, the salmon. Oh, it was so good. So cute. And I liked it. I don't and like Gail never <laughs> likes her salmon. So word to the wise, get the salmon. But I feel like everything about that night was just so special and... It was just, it was magic. We're all crying around the table again. Was- we ended up at, it's so funny how we went to Seaport Social. Or was it Seaport Social? Yeah. Yeah. We tried to go to Moxie's, but the long Two nights in a row. We met up with all the guys there. It was just so perfect. I feel like every year, so we had Friendsgiving this past weekend. And I feel like every year, like the eve of Friendsgiving, like the night before, is always like low-key my favorite part about the whole weekend. Because it's like everyone sees each other for the first time. So we had 
40 people at Friendsgiving this year. I think year. our largest ever. Largest ever. And it's always like the night before where like we have friends from like low key, like not all just in Boston. So all it's over. like we had people, you know, drive up from New Hampshire or drive down from New Hampshire. We had people coming from New York. Um, we had people, you know, our friend Gabrielle that like flew in. Took a red eye. Took a red eye from California to come in like no sleep and came for Friendsgiving weekend. Honestly, God bless Gabrielle. <laughs> She's the best. Um, so I feel like it's like that t- togetherness on Friday that you see everyone. It's like this big homecoming and then you just spend the whole weekend together. So loved, loved our experience Friday night. And then Saturday, I feel like was a, a good opportunity just to see everyone and, you know, tell everyone the story. And it was like the first time and I feel like I kind of liked that it was like everyone all at once where it's like all right I've seen all my friends now we've had that time together and now it like it feels normal um and then Sunday we did a um so Michael just got inducted to his hall of fame for his high school <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was fun um so Sunday morning too long but it's okay yeah so it was like 40 people we hosted on Saturday we went out Saturday night woke up Sunday and went to his hall of fame it was um he was actually so cute so I was really excited to go obviously this is a big deal for him and we showed up there was like 250 people there wow what a turnout hall of fame induction and it was really cute but the only thing I'll say there's always a but okay so it's basically like the people that get into the Hall of Fame, it's like there's like a two-minute video about them and then they get up there and they're kind of like, they see a quick little, you know, thank you speech. And it's like supposed to be, you know, thank you so much, you know, thank you to my, you know, significant other and my kids and my parents for supporting me. You know, peace. If that's what I would do, right? Like deuces, high school was a time, it's been 30 years, like peace. So the thing about this is it's not just people that graduated like, four or five, six, seven years ago, um, you could get inducted into the Hall of Fame at Milford High School at any point because it's it it goes off of like when you were not, you have to be nominated. So if someone just nominated you this year, but you graduated college, or sorry, if you graduated high school 40 years ago, you you could be inducted this year and you would be up there this year. So what happened was it was supposed to be like a kind of a quicker thing, but it went way over. So we have plans um, at his parents' house for like a, what I thought was going to be like a family party, but ended up being a kind of like an engagement party, which was like so sweet. His his parents, his sister and her husband like put this on. It was so sweet of them. They went above and beyond. But we had people coming over at four and the event was supposed to end at like 3.30. It ended up going like past five because People that graduated high school, like in the 60s, were up there. And I don't normally like to shit talk people, but there were some people, some dudes specifically, that got up there. And you would have thought that they just won like the Academy Awards. Like they were like giving a, like they won a Nobel Peace Prize. And this was like, this night was about them. Like they forgot that there was 15 other people that were getting inducted. And they were like, no, 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 this is my night. So I'm going to give my life story. I'm going to talk about all of my life accomplishments, my achievements, every hurdle I've overcome. And in my head, I'm sitting there and I'm like, this guy has been going on for 20 minutes talking about himself. If you win best actor at the Oscars, your speech is like what? A minute tops, like two minutes, right? For the op. If that, and then they start playing the little music. And they will cut you off. 
So my mindset is this, like making your hall of fame for your high school is a big deal. Don't get me wrong, but you graduated high school 40 years ago and you were up there and you were speaking for 15 times the amount of time that a Oscars acceptance speech is like, you need to look inward and be like, no, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this. Right. So it was, it was actually kind of funny, but anyways, the whole experience went kind of a long time and me and Michael's dad ended up having to like dip out early because we had all these guests showing up and none of us were going to be there for it. But it was so fun. I held down the fort. (laughs) But anyway, so his parents, like they hosted and like his whole family came, my family came, Gail was there, Mystery Man was there, Mystery Man's family was there. Um, Honestly, shout out to Samantha for truly being the, I've, I've talked about her before. She plans everything so well. She got like, these balloons. She made sure that the balloons had a gold band. Like it was like a ring balloon and she made sure it was gold. Like the detail that she does. She got this cute little like cake topper and she found two little black cats like to put next to us. Like just the little thing she did was so sweet. So thank you, Samantha. But anyways, more of a story. I feel like it's a kind of nice that we got that time. It was such a good weekend. Did you have fun? I had a lot of fun. It was a very busy weekend, but it's easy when we're celebrating you and Michael. I have to say, um, and I'm not just saying this because you're here. Like I would say this if you weren't here. So Gail did the sweetest thing in the entire world for me. Well, she did a lot of I sweet do. things. Well, first off, you I do? for Friendsgiving, like you decorated the entire place. You ordered all these balloons. You put like the mm-hmm. S and the M. You made sure it was the color scheme that I liked. Like you went above and beyond. So I can't, I can't say thank you enough. I'm like trying to scheme how I'm going to like repay you for all of it. So thank you. But on top of that, she shows up on Saturday morning with this big Tiffany's box. I've never gotten anything from Tiffany's before. I remember I just seeing it. Never. And my heart just like fluttered. Like I literally was <laughs> You like, were literally in a robe with your hair oh, up in a towel. And I was course. like, here you go. I have everyone show up at my apartment. This is just, are you surprised at this point? No. Like I will host something and I'll be like, hey guys, like, you know, we're you- hosting a dinner. 15 of my friends show up. Everyone's like dressed. Like they have like app and appetizer aside. Have I ever not been in my room with my hair in a towel when you guys show up? Like <laughs> no. I just, it's like, I feel a little too comfortable around my friends. Like all my friends are showing up. Their boyfriends are there. I'm in a robe and my hair is in a towel soaking wet. I have no makeup on. I have no clothes picked out. I feel like that is just, I need to work on it. But anyways, Gail walks in with the Tiffany's box with mystery man. But I remember just seeing it and I was like, I, I don't know. I, I was like flipping out. So they got us um, like Tiffany's champagne glasses, like for us to drink at our wedding. And they also like arranged it so that we can get like when we have a date picked out engraved on the yeah. champagne glasses. A gift card for later. That was the most, I don't know, just like a memorable, like sweetest gift. And obviously like if it wasn't Tiffany's, like even if if you had gone anywhere, just the thought of like what you guys did was so sweet. And I know you put a lot of planning into it. So Moral of the story, if you're listening to this and if there's an engagement you're celebrating or honestly like any sort of celebratory event, I think that is just the most like heartfelt thing you could do. So thank you so much. And I thought it was the best idea. Yeah, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm full of them. Full Full of good ideas. (laughs) It's really a selfish gift because I want you and Michael, I mean, you don't have to do it at your wedding, but on your wedding anniversary, like every year to cheers to another year together and think of Mr. Man and I. Yeah. Mr. Man and I, and how great your best friends are. And like how great you guys are. Yeah, and that will happen. Good. Thank (laughs) you. That's all I ask. 
How are you? Um, I'm good. How is your... I'm trying to think. How is your week? How is your life? How are you feeling? Like, what's going through your head? And when you wake up in the morning, like, how do you feel? Like, are you ready to take on the day? You know? I'm ready (laughs) for Thanksgiving. I know when this episode goes live, it'll be past. But this weekend is the weekend that Mr. Man and I always decorate our apartment for Christmas. We get our our Christmas tree out of the storage unit and we decorate... And yeah, I mean, Thanksgiving has always, or not has always, I've always loved Thanksgiving. You know, I was in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I know. In like sixth or seventh, eighth grade, whichever grade it was. And ever since my Nana died on Thanksgiving, like two years ago, it kind of has become like a eh, holiday, but yeah, trying to go into it this year in a better headspace, but it's all good. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And I'm excited. I'm excited for Christmas. And that's all. I'm freaking good. I know that was like such a heart. It was two years ago. Yeah. I remember when you texted me and it was like all this all this bad shit was going on. And then I remember when you texted me that and like it was, I don't know. It was, you're right. It was a horrible day. But I think that... I think like I look at you now and I know I've said this before, but obviously like nothing will ever like take back like, you know, this like this death and this loss that you had. But since then, like I just feel like looking at your life like two short years from then and it's just like it is crazy like what a like how much has changed these past two years. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And obviously there always is going to be this like level of the day is never, there's always going to be a part of you that's like, okay, like this, you know, this was a really like hard day for me and like something so horrible happened. But I don't know. I just like, I look at you and I'm like, all right, you know, you are so successful. You're in this great relationship. Like you have this great career and I just feel like you're just like so happy and I'm proud of you. I know your Nana would be too. Why thing? Sorry, you. I didn't mean we to can't have I didn't, two sappy episodes. I know, episodes in I know. A row. I just snap out, snap out of it. I've been like emotional lately. I don't know what's going on with me. I've been like crying. I've been emotional. Like I need to like, I need to turn the page. Anyways, what you said about what? Did what? what did I say? Like Christmas, the day after Thanksgiving. Oh, I, know. I am like, it is time to decorate for Christmas. And maybe I'm, I'm old fashioned. I don't decorate for Christmas before Thanksgiving. I just can't mm-hmm. do it. Like an ode to Thanksgiving. But the day after, there is nothing more rewarding than putting some Christmas music on, getting in the freaking holiday spirit, getting a gingerbread latte from Starbucks, having a sugar rush. Listening to the Michael Bublé holiday playlist because that is the only time of the year that I know who he is or I think about him (laughs) and decorating until it looks like Christmas threw up in my apartment. Oh, You're not going real tree, right? No, we have a fake one in our storage unit. So Michael and Bianca have a debate where Bianca wants a real tree and he is like, he's like, if I see a real tree, like I will, I will burn it. Like he's like, he's like, do not bring plants in here don't bring like living things in here unless you're the cats there's definitely a few plants in your apartment so he can get over it yeah well he doesn't he doesn't enjoy them (laughs) (laughs) it's honestly like six weeks i know i know get whatever you want ask for forgiveness not permission okay maybe maybe she should do that (laughs) i was thinking of surprising her with like a little mini tree for her room like a like a real real one in her bedroom and then a fake one in the living room yeah 
Compromise. Compromise. There you That's go. That's what life's all about. Is gingerbread your favorite Starbucks holiday flavor? I, I keep going back and forth. Like, I like the... Because it says a lot about the person. I think I like gingerbread. Like, I like a... You know what I do? I do like the mint mocha. Peppermint mocha. Peppermint mocha. Yeah. But Michael did kind of... What? I said, we love toothpaste and chocolate. That's what he said to me one day. He was like, it's <laughs> toothpaste with a little bit of chocolate in it. I, I feel it. like ever since he said that, it ruined it for me, but I oh. genuinely do like it. So I'm like, what does that say about me? What about you? You're... No, you are the chestnut praline. Mm-mm. The something not the Mm-mm. wait what caramel, caramel brulee. brulee okay that's what it was and then my second one which you didn't guess which I feel like you used to love back the cookie in the, day. the sugar cookie the yeah the sugar cookie yeah that one's good too <laughs> okay all right okay. Let's, let's dive, dive in. into drunk oh. tea <laughs> did you like my okay okay <laughs> let's dive into drunk tea okay. Let's start off with Miss Kim K being oh. GQ's Man of the Year yeah. Okay, I'm a little bit confused, though, because obviously, like, it says the 2023 Men of the Year issue, and she's on the cover of it. Like, it says starring Kim Kardashian plus Jacob Elordi and Travis Scott. But when you go, like, they really posted a really, really sweet article um, about Kim Kardashian. Like, obviously, she, like, interviewed and whatever. But it says GQ's Tycoon of the Year which is different than man of the year. A tycoon could be a man or a woman. Yeah. So I'm a little bit confused because I know obviously everyone was like, why is she on the cover? She's not a man, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, because it's called a marketing dummy. <laughs> like it gets everyone talking. I feel like anything Kim K does is going to get publicity, whether it's bad or good. And... This is, I mean, she looked so sick. Did you see it? She was wearing yeah, a suit and tie with lick, licking her fingertips after eating a bag of Cheetos in her hand. Um, whatever. Yeah, I mean, she looked really good. So, okay, here's the interesting thing is, I don't know if you know this, but there have been multiple other women who are cho- chosen as the GQ man of the year before. Like, this isn't the first oh, time this has happened. I, I have to look at the complete list, but I'm pretty sure it's happened like seven or eight times before in years past. I do think that because it's a Kardashian, because of like the way that they market things and Kris Jenner's posting it everywhere, et cetera, like I feel like it got a lot more attention, therefore a lot more hate than it has in years past, where maybe it would have like snuck under the surface before. But um, yeah, this isn't the first time that this has happened. Um, I am with you on the fact that like the way that it was posted from the Kardashians' point of view and the way that it looked on social media was very much portrayed like Kim was the GQ man of the year. But then when you actually open up the article to your point, it's like very much about other people and it didn't, it wasn't just like, oh, it's Kim. Yeah. So, so I don't know if that was just like clever marketing or if it was just like trying to intentionally get a rise out of people so that people would then go and read the article. Yeah. Which honestly, if you haven't yet, you really should take the time to read the article. It was really sweet. I guess it's been 20 years since her father, Robert Kardashian, has passed away. Um, so, you know, she talks about how he still to this day continues to shape her life and her work and how he influenced her when she was a child to like, I, she mentioned stuff about like his wardrobe. And I think a lot of, you know, what she chose to shoot in for the GQ photo shoot was, um, influenced by her father, which is really sweet. Right. And even looking at the fact that she ended up, you know, obviously pursuing the, um, like the law 
path, like, mm-hmm. like which okay. which is what he did and stuff. So here are the two different um, stances I noticed from you know trolling through the comments as I do. Um, so there is a school of people that are like. Oh, um, you know, she's the man of the year. Women can be a man of the year. Like, why do you have a problem with that? Like, she's a badass. Like, she can be the man of the year if she wants to be the man of the year. Like, deal with it. Like, people are, like, so stuck in the past, whatever. And that very, like, oomph, like, female empowerment. Like, Kim, be, Kim can, like, she can own that if she wants to own that, right? Like, why, why does she have to be put into a box? If she wants to be, if they want her to be the man of the year, she can be the man of the year. That was, like, one half. But then I saw someone say something that actually, that was very interesting. How come when someone is, because everyone was like, well, why isn't she like GQ's woman of the year? Why should she be the man of the year? And they're like, because she can be. And someone else said something where they were like, well, how come we look at someone that has all this opulent success and is like such a smart business person, is so successful beyond measure and has created this amazing life for themselves. And we associate that with men. Like, oh, she's so successful that we're going to put her in the category of man of the year because that's more of a compliment than being the woman of the year. That's like, why isn't being point. woman of the it's year? It's more of a statement to be the yes, man of the year. Than yes, it is because woman. it's like, oh, is being, is, not, is being woman of the year not enough? Does that mean that you're not bold enough, smart enough, successful enough, talented enough? You're not savvy enough of a business person to be the woman of the year. Let's make you the man of the year because that makes even more of a statement. So I almost heard some people saying that like, hey, this is actually the opposite of feminism where it's like, we think it's more of a compliment that she's the man of the year. I thought that was an interesting approach. Um, I'm not saying I'm passionate one way or the other. At the end of the day, I think it's probably just clever advertising, but I did think it's interesting how it's like, yeah, wait a second. Like if we're all about, you know, women have things that men don't, then why are we trying to then be like, oh, well, you know, truly unmatched success has to be a, a manly thing, not a female forward thing. Hmm. hmm. I didn't see that in the comments, but that's a very, very good point. Yeah. I don't know. It is interesting. Wow. Kind of like how I always say, like, I don't really like the whole, like, girl boss, like, vibe. Yeah, because why? It just It's just a boss. It just feels a little demeaning. Like, if yeah. I'm sitting there and people are like, like, you know, like girl boss or like, oh my gosh, you did all this and you're a woman. It's like, well, what if I'm just like really good at what I did? Right. You know what I mean? Like, what if I got the role because I'm just like the best, not because I'm a woman and I'm like a girl boss. Like, what if I'm just a boss? You know, why put like a And Kim Kardashian's a boss. She's just a boss. as much as you want, but. Make her like the person of the year. Like, why does it really matter? You know, why does it have to be about gender all the time? I feel like that's, I feel like that's more so limiting people than anything else. Personally, I agree. Anyways, let's move on to Matt Reif. Do you know who he is? I mean, truly, generally, he's a comedian, right? Yeah. So he made his fame through TikTok, go figure, by posting all of his crowd work. So I'm actually a like low key comedy. What's the word? Like, Stand up comedy. Okay. No. I I thought you were going to say, I'm I'm a low key comedic genius. I was like, yeah. Like, (laughs) Um, I'm a stand up comedy watcher like I won't go to a stand-up comedy show but I like to watch all the specials on Netflix like you I've, do I know uh, it's I my never guilty kn- pleasure because I keep you've never shared this with me in our friendship ever I know sometimes I thought you just, only like a dark and twisted shows. I, I know maybe that's why I kept it to myself okay honestly I think it's like one of those things that like I'll put on the background when like I don't want to watch a show but like I want to listen anyways I um, hate stand-up Okay. I hate it. Okay, sorry, go on. <laughs> sorry, go on. 
So you'll probably hate Matt Rife. Anyways, he made his fame on TikTok. He has like 16 million followers and he only posts really his crowd work, which is just like, you know, in, in, what is it called? Improv. Improv. Yes. You should know that. It's all improv, like interacting with the crowd. And that is on purpose because he doesn't want to post his actual set so that when people go see him live, they're hearing it for the first time. That makes sense. Um, and I will admit, like, I did follow Matt Reif. I recently unfollowed him, but I did follow him and I did like his crowd work. And I almost bought tickets to his show when he's going on tour in Boston. And then oh. I saw that tickets were like 250 each. And I was like, I don't like you that much. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm yeah, okay. Yeah. We're not that close. Yeah, we're not that close. Um, <laughs> So didn't buy the tickets and I'm glad I didn't because he just released his, on November 15th, he released his Netflix first ever special called Natural Selection. Mystery Man and I watched it the other night, like literally, I think Sunday night. Um, And I was so bored. Oh. (laughs) I was so bored. But you were bored bored. by his... Yeah. Like... By his stand-up set? Yeah. Wait, what? Wait, so... I didn't think he was funny. So um, did you think like on TikTok in when you gave him, you know, maybe a 30 seconds or a minute of of your time, it was Mm -hmm. funny with like a quick hitting joke, but watching a whole set wasn't funny? There was no crowd work in his network special. It was all just like his, you know, one hour of just whatever he's spent probably years. Right. Straight up like stand up. Yeah. Like he's on a stage for an hour. Um doing his just doing all of his bits and jokes yeah okay so I didn't I really wasn't impressed I was like oh wow I'm glad I didn't buy the tickets um whatever that's mean I'm entitled to my own opinion but I just (laughs) that's mean I'm entitled (laughs) I had higher expectations like who are you who are you negotiating with right now (laughs) I had higher expectations and I was disappointed but whatever um so he I guess, said something. This is how bored I was. I didn't even notice. Like, and I think this happened within like the first five to 10 minutes of the special. So you were already bored by that point. He said like a really offensive joke that I had to like go back and listen when I heard this was going viral. He said like a joke about, I don't even want to call it a joke because it's like, whatever. Um, He made- Distasteful. Yeah. He made a joke about like domestic violence and something about like the host at the restaurant having a black eye. And like, I'm sure this is a fake story, but like his story was just like not funny and- Not in good taste. Yeah. Not in good taste, which- I will say, like, I feel like 95% of most stand-up comedy is not in good taste. True. Um, People joke about the most horrible things, like, horrible things, like school shootings, 9-11, like, things that you shouldn't be joking about. And so, you know, him saying something like that honestly doesn't surprise me. Um, But obviously, people took to social media to, you know— share their opinions and all their thoughts. And, you know, he had an opportunity to handle this a certain way and he just went the opposite direction and made the situation worse for himself. So basically, he posted on his Instagram story, if you've ever been offended by a joke I've told, here's a link to my official apology. And then he inserts like a link and he labeled that link tap to solve your issue. And when you click on the link, it brings you to a website where you can purchase a special needs helmet. So not only is he making fun of domestic violence survivors, he's also making fun of special needs people. And it's not funny, but, um, you know, 
I just, it's funny. Be, well, no, it's not funny, but it's interesting because he obviously was promoting his, you know, new Netflix special and he was doing a whole podcast or like he went on so many podcasts promoting this prior to it coming out. He went on a bunch of Barstool podcasts that I listened to. And when I was listening to him speak, I was like, there's something about him that I don't like. Oh. Like, I, do, I don't like him as a person. Uh, and now I don't like him as a comedian either. But I'm like, ugh. Like, what? There's something off with him. I don't know if it's the misogyny. I don't know if it's, like, his ego that, like, he can't handle being, you know. Wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I was just like, I don't like him. And then when this all happened, I was like, oh, like that's actually messed that's up. Why. Right. That's why. Like, and you get so, a bad vibe. Yeah, just bad vibes. And, you know, a lot of people are having opinions saying, you know, there's a difference between an edgy joke and just being disrespectful and distasteful. Um, and then someone said, not Matt Reif building his platform on catering to his female audience and then opening his. Netflix special with a domestic violence joke. Yeah. Because it's true. Like you look at his audience and it is majority women because obviously like he says like, oh, are people here because I'm good looking or because they're here for my jokes? And now I feel like he tried so hard to win over the men that he, you know, just lost an entire demographic. That makes sense. But see, like this is why to be completely honest, I don't love stand-up comedy. Yeah. In general, like, not everyone. I mean, like, I was a big, you know, Jerry Seinfeld fan. Still am. Like, I guess... What I, about Kevin Hart? I love Kevin Hart. He's fine. Yeah, he's. I guess he's good. I just... Okay, so I think that there are some comedians who are just truly, truly funny. And it's like, they just are. And they don't have yeah. to try too hard. What I personally find is that Typically within the space, it's like so competitive and everyone's like trying to be like the funniest and get like the most clicks, the most views, like the most attention. And it's almost like this competition to say the most, the most like outlandish things. Right. Where people confuse humor with just being either extremely inappropriate, swearing way too much, or saying things that are like actually really, really, really messed up and aren't funny at all. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, Okay, if I can make a joke about um, people with disabilities or make a joke about domestic violence or school shootings because it's just so wild that they're like, oh, this is so funny. No one is doing this, right? And I feel like it's such a cop-out. Just same with, like, comedians who have to get talk way too much about, like, inappropriate, like, just, like, sexual things. Yeah, like, raunchy. Where it's, it's actually not funny. It's just raunchy. And you're, like, trying so hard to make things, like, so disgusting and inappropriate that, like... It's like, oh, how people are going to laugh. And I'm like, it's actually not that funny. It's a cop out. Yeah. Or when you have to swear all the time. It's like you're overcompensating. And I don't I don't appreciate it. I don't think it's funny. Yeah. I think like, <laughs> I don't know why I have such an opinion on no, it. No, that's totally fine. I've always kind of felt that way. I think like the difference between Kevin Hart and Matt Reif is one, like Kevin Hart's actually funny. But like, for instance, like a year ago, Matt was a nobody. Right. He's a right. nobody. And he's also young. He's in his 20s. Kevin Hart has is older. He's lived an entire life. If you look at his Netflix specials, like, yeah, like did he cheat on his former wife? Yeah, but like he will, you know, and not saying this is right, but like he's not up there saying like, I mean, yeah. don't quote me, but he's not out there saying like, yeah. things about this, but he'll he'll make a joke about, you know, cheating on his wife and try to make it relatable to the audience. Yeah. Where it's like, oops, I'm a piece of shit, like whatever. Right. It's a little bit more tasteful than, you know, just 
being outlandish. I just think that people blow up, they get a big head, and they think that they can just do whatever. And people forget that just as fast as people can make you famous, they can take it all away. Yep. Like people forget how much power the fans have. Oh yeah, and he you just would be nothing without the fans. Nothing. Like you just you wouldn't anyone, and that, not, not just him. Anyone, you could be a influencer. You could be a movie star. A podcast. If your friends, if your fans start hating you, and no you one's showing nothing. up to your shows anymore, like you're done. Yeah, That's the it. fans pay your bills. Why are so you insulting I think your fans? If you look at the most successful people who have made it long term, it's the people that have always treated their fans well. Like Taylor Swift, for example, right? Like I've always treated their fans well. They've never let it get to their head and they never stop to like remember that other people got you where you are. So you have to kind of appreciate that. So it is interesting. Okay, let's move on to Shakira, Shakira. (laughs) I love that song. Hips Don't Lie. It's It's just so, it's hard to listen to that song and not, be in a good mood. I know. It's a vibe. She is an icon. Um, but Miss Shakira is, you know, I don't know what she's doing. She's up to no good, but she finally resolved a tax fraud mm. that she had with the Spanish government a couple years ago. So I just thought that was funny because, okay, I'm, I think it's no secret. Like, I'm That not- you commit tax fraud? <laughs> I hope not. I literally pray every time I click something. I know. I'm, I'm like, like, please. Like the accidental tax fraud. That's what I'm yeah, scared of. I'm so scared. Um, but like, I'm so confused. because I'm not a finance girly. So please someone explain this to me. She just accepted a deal with the Spanish government. Um, basically, they submitted a tax fraud case against her. And like on the first day of the case in Barcelona, she accepted, you know, a deal. And basically... Between 2020, 2012, hello, between 2012 and 2014, she owed the government 14.5 million euros, which is the equivalent of about 15.8 million in taxes. And she like somehow thinks she's innocent. And I don't understand why. Like... So basically her argument is that, you know, she has two homes, one in Barcelona and then the other in the Bahamas. So yeah, that's kind of where it got done. I mean, people like get houses in the Bahamas, like evade taxes. Oh, do they? Like you don't really have to like pay taxes the same way. I thought that was Switzerland or something. That's like bank accounts. Bank accounts. I don't know. I just, so I think that when you reach... I'm not like a finance expert, but I do know that like when you reach a certain level of wealth, people do all these things. Cause you have to pay an insane yeah, amount of money. Yeah, I get it. Like I'm not judging Shakira no, by any means. No, no, no. I just think that like you have to pay an insane amount of money when you like make us over a certain yeah. threshold of money. Like it's not as simple as us, like you and me going on TurboTax <laughs> and like reporting like our income and like being like, am I going to get like Fingers two, two grand back? Or am I going to owe like 300 bucks? Like <laughs> when you reach, like when you have that much wealth and then on top of it, you have assets, multiple houses in multiple countries, like revenue, like income coming in from different com- countries too. Like she's True. making money from different countries, paying taxes in different countries. Like it gets so complicated. And then obviously like, I feel like the people who are like 
super, super up there. Like they're constantly thinking of ways to evade taxes or like if I get a house in the Bahamas, I don't have to pay taxes in the way I would have to if I got a house here. And if That's I like technically- was doing the Miami, New York thing. Always, yeah. And it's like if I open up a business, but I put it in someone else's name and like create a shell company, then I only, like it, it gets extremely You're sketchy. Ideas. I feel like the line between like legal and illegal can get extremely, mm-hmm. extremely um, like, I guess- <laughs> Like, it's a gray area. Eventually, a lot of people do it. And a lot of people get away with things. But I think, like, I'm sure in her mind, she's like, why well, paid, like, all this crazy money in taxes? And in their mind, they're like, well, you still owed all this. Like, I'm sure she did pay a lot of money in taxes. But whatever she did still equated to, like, X amount. And she's like, well, I, I don't, I don't, I shouldn't have to pay that because I've already paid X. I'm sure it's something along those lines. Like, obviously, I don't know the detail of the, the case. Yeah. It says the singer will receive a suspended three-year sentence of what I'd like to know and a Whoa. fine of $7.6 million. So that's kind of what they settled on. And she said the reason she resolved it is I've made the decision to finally resolve this matter with the interests of my kids at heart who do not want to see their mom sacrifice her personal well-being in this fight. Like if she went to jail. But or also, if she like actually tried to prove that like she doesn't owe the money. She's probably like, whatever, like I'll just pay it. Yeah, I'm half. just gonna pay it. And honestly, she probably does actually owe the money. <laughs> like they That's always what do. I'm saying. Like, is and, she delusional? Well, I also just think like it's one of those things where I'm sure like most celebrities do what she is doing, or like any super like uber wealthy person that's like a multimillionaire. They're all doing sketchy shit and hiding their money places. Like there is no one, I mean. Maybe there is. I don't know. There is very few people out there that are making like however much money she's probably in order to get fourteen million in taxes. I don't even want to know. Oh, like there are people out there that are making like you know a hundred million dollars or like whatever, and there is no one out there that's just like oh I paid all my taxes and did it all by the book. Like they're all like trying to like open up a Swiss bank account, trying to move their money, trying to put something in like Barbados so that like they don't get taxed for it. Like everyone's doing that. I think it's like one of those situations where they're probably making an example out of her just like with Well, Martha I think Stewart. it's a horrible example because if you're basically saying like yeah, you can owe the government 14 million dollars and get away with only paying half. Like well, right. I mean, right, she probably had a good lawyer up. that was like, "Well, she did pay this and she did pay that." Like again, I think there's so much gray area and there's like a line between like what's illegal and what's illegal. Yeah. Um so, yeah, obviously I that's off the top of my head without knowing the details. But it's like with Marcus, Martha Stewart with the insider trading when oh, she about got that. put in jail. It's like so many people were doing the shit that she was doing, right? But they made an example out of her to kind of send a message that like we will come after you even if you're famous. Hmm. Which is like an interesting vibe. Why Martha Stewart? Like, why? I know. Like, what does she I know. know? But I do low-key love the friendship between her and Snoop Dogg. So oh my like, God. I'll take Speaking it. Speaking of Snoop Dogg, just a quick aside. He put out a thing that he was giving up smoking, but it was just a joke. It was literally an ad for a smokeless, like, fire pit. Like, good for him. Yeah. That's kind of cute. The whole internet stopped for a day because he didn't immediately say, like, he just posted he was giving up smoking. And then, like, a couple days later, posted the ad. And it's like, I like that. Stove by Solo Stove. If I was, that reminds me of the Solo Stove that I never picked up that I won at that event we went to, like, two years ago. You won a Solo Stove? Yeah. What event are you talking about? Remember, you and I went to, like, some event like two years or like a year and a half ago and like I entered my name into a raffle and I won I guess I won a solo stove and they were like all you have to do is come pick it up and I just did it Shannon I know it was so dumb I was just like going I was going through like a hard time <laughs> okay <laughs> I don't know That's, but we I feel like if I was famous I would do the same shit like I would just try to like mess with people randomly like 
make sure. them wonder. I mean, it's iconic. I, I literally think, you know, what is Snoop without smoke? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not Snoop. Fair. All right, guys, that's all we have for Drunk Deeds. Okay, so for the rest of this week's episode, we have something a little bit special in store for you guys. We have not had a guest on the podcast in a while. Like over here. I feel like we're a little selfish with you guys. Like Abby and I, I feel like have, it's been what, three years. Isn't that crazy yeah. since we started this podcast? And I mean, we love having guests on the show, but I feel like the the heart and soul of this podcast has really been like us girl talking and hanging out. So we try to make it a rule of thumb where we don't bring a guest on unless we feel like it's someone that you guys would want to hear from and someone that can add value. So we put a lot of time and thought into bringing on a guest who not only has a really cool story, someone that can give awesome advice, but also someone that's an um, very successful entrepreneur and has been a part in starting a really successful business and kind of can share a little bit of light or shed a little bit of light on their experience on that front as well. All right, baddies, without further ado, Morgan Lockwood, welcome to Drinks After Work. Thank you so much. <laughs> Morgan is, for those of you that don't know, she works at a company called Viva. She is one of three co-founders of the company. She is the head of sales. She's a badass. She comes from the corporate world. She took a chance to start a new company and they're killing it right now. So we wanted to have her on the show. We're so excited. We thought she could talk to us about Viva, what a great company they are, as well as some of her experience in the business world and thought she could give us some advice. So Morgan, thank you so much for being here. And I guess, can you tell the baddies from your words, like who you are, what you're about, and a little bit about your story so we can kind of get to know you a little better? Sure. I'm a Boston gal. I went to Babson College outside of Boston here in Wellesley. Love that. Studied entrepreneurship. So always had the knack to want to do something entrepreneurial. And are you from like the Boston area originally? I'm from Western Mass. Okay. Yep. So went to Babson, played field hockey there. And then after college, I started a rotational program with Anheuser-Busch. So went into the beer industry, worked in a brewery in sales and marketing, and then um, spent eight years of my career with Anheuser-Busch on the sales side. So I kind of fell into this groove in the corporate world with some different positions. But then I got to a point where I was really getting that itch. And Steven had just come up with the idea for Viva. Him and Chris kind of brought me into the mix. And I'm really excited that you know we're on this journey together and that we're, we just, um, we're coming up on our two-year anniversary, which is super exciting. Amazing. I think I read somewhere, it was, a, it was along the lines of founded in July 2020 in Boston by three proudly washed up college <laughs> athletes. Yes. What, what did you play? We're college? all hockey players. So hockey. Steven and Chris played hockey together. I played field hockey at Babson. Um, shout out to those those girls for making it to the final four this past week. Aww. So did you, you met them in college? I met Steven at Anheuser-Busch. He okay. worked there. Right, right. He was in the same program as I was. So we met through that. And then he reconnected with me when he had that the idea for Reba. And uh, the rest is history since then. So I guess where, how was the idea mm -hmm. and like the, the thought of Viva, I guess, conceptualized? Yeah. So Stephen was golfing one day during coronavirus and he's drinking high noons and he had, he got his bill and he spent a 
ton of money on high noons for the day. And he's <laughs> As like, one does. <laughs> yeah, and, and he had been doing that day after day. So he's like looking down, he says, why is no one putting tequila in one of these um, seltzers, you know? And he wasn't necessarily the only one thinking that because there's a couple out there now, but we, we got on it pretty early on. Um, so started getting the flavors and everything together. And then we launched Thanksgiving 2021. So like I said, coming up on our, on our two-year anniversary here for 2023, oh, but it was born on the golf course. Golf, we do really, really well at the courses and at those type of accounts because Viva is so drinkable and light and refreshing. It's not heavy. It's not too carbonated. So it's the perfect drink, you know, for golfing, for pre-gaming, partying, whatever it may be. Spiked seltzers. When you think of the spiked seltzer market, I feel like what sets Viva apart, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's no malted barley in mm-hmm. Viva, which is huge. Yeah. that's That makes it gluten-free, right? So we're, we make our seltzer with real Blanco tequila. So like mm-hmm. you said, we're not malt-based like White Claw or Truly. Uh, right. We real tequila. We have no carbs, no sugars. There's no added fake sugar like additives or anything else in there. It's just tequila, seltzer water, and then the natural flavor. So that healthier kind of brand and feel is what we went for with Viva. We wanted to provide a healthier option for people so that when they're drinking, they're they're partying, they're still living their life and enjoying their life, but then making good decisions for their body too. So our, our mantra is live long, live well, live it up. Yeah, uh, I love that. That's <laughs> so fun. You made such a good point because I am a tequila girl. Like we both are. Through. Since college, I feel like in college, a lot of us were toxic and we were, you know, we were into the vodka game. But since then, I feel like whenever I drink tequila, I'm like, in a, I'm in a good mood. I'm a light on my feet. I tear up the dance floor. So <laughs> it's so funny because like you said, there was no companies out there that had tequila like seltzers Mm -hmm. so I would always just get tequila sodas at the bar I remember the first time I saw like I walked by and I was like oh Viva like what is that probably like right around two years ago Mm -hmm. my friends was like oh it's like a seltzer but with tequila I feel like that was like the first thing I noticed about it the second thing I noticed was how pretty it Mm -hmm. is I was like it's like the prettiest (laughs) packaging ever and then the next thing I was like okay like I think it's like 88 calories zero grams of carbs, like no sugar content. I feel like it's, I mean, I'm not going to be that person that's like drinking is healthy, but I compared to the options out there, I was like, yes, like this is perfect because I can have a few Vivas at night. I wake up in the morning and it's not like I need a three-day detox. I'm like, I can go to my Pilates class. I can get on with my day and I don't have this like crazy headache. So exactly. I definitely like noticed that. Like honestly, like even before like we got connected with you and everything like that, I was like, I genuinely like drinking these. I'm so glad to hear you say those things because it kind of nailed exactly what we're going for. And the insight that we built the brand off of was, you know, people order a tequila seltzer or tequila soda at the bar, not because they're craving that refreshing taste of tequila, but they want the lowest calorie drink. So, you know, we tried to make that, make it taste good, make it refreshing and light and just really drinkable. The idea was conceptualized, obviously on the golf course. Mm -hmm. How did you guys like first, I I don't know, get it out there? Like, was there a certain audience you targeted first? How did you target them? Like, how did that whole process work? I feel like there's 
so many people that are listening that I'm sure in the back of their heads are like, I always wanted to see you know, maybe start a business, but like I feel like starting is the hardest part. So yeah. how did you start that process? So Steven actually did a Seltzerland event right kind of when he first had the idea. And that's when we got our proof of concept because we had people trying it, our prototypes, and they loved it. So then from there, you know, we created it. We really built a base up in Southie and we kind of use that as our hub and our Smart. launch pad <laughs> to then be able to expand across, you know, more of Boston, Quincy, Dorchester, all the surrounding markets. So we had to find the consumer that we believed would, would pull and enjoy the Viva. And we really feel like that consumer is, you know, 22 to 35 years old. They probably have a little bit more um, money. Maybe they're not in college, but right after right. because we are a premium product. Like yeah. one thing with our brand is we wanted to be anti big company. So we're like you pointed out our packaging before. We're not a white can with a little picture of the fruit in the same flavors as everyone else right. with black cherry or lemon or lime. Exactly. We wanted to be the matte wraps can. Single color, single flavor, exotic, different flavors for people. So we're kind of like looking to be that next step, step up, that trade up from the the old other seltzers out there. You're like the champagne of the seltzer game. Yeah, I like mm-hmm. that. Did you guys have any unexpected challenges when you first started? One of the biggest challenges we faced was at the when was that the beginning of 2022, rolling into like that whole first half. So the fundraising environment, like the economical environment, when all those all the banks started shutting down and people got a little bit insecure and everything with stocks and investments and all of that, mm-hmm. that hurt us. We had a bunch of commitments lined up for ending 2022. And then everything happened. And some people kind of like said, oh, I'm going to wait a little bit longer. So we had to really look at our costs and decide like, all right, maybe we shouldn't spend X, Y, and Z on these things and try to cut back here so that we could, you know, be most efficient for the business. And luckily we've been able to bounce back since then. And, you know, obviously we're still a company and doing some awesome partnerships and stuff like that. So we've been able to raise some funding, but that was a big challenge that we had to pull through and, you know, shift our focus from fundraising at that point to kind of cutting back where we could so that we could we could make it happen. When was the moment you realized that Vivo was starting to really take off? And like, mm. what was that yeah. like? Was there like wow, a moment? we made it. Right. So I would say one moment that we had that uh, kind of like, wow, this is actually happening is it was early 2022 and we got an inquiry on our website and it was from Andrew Murphy from Nesson. So Nesson actually reached out to us about doing a partnership with Viva. Um, So that was pretty cool. It's like, okay, we're being seen. We're being recognized here in Boston. My heart would be like fluttering. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like seeing that in your inbox. Exactly. Especially Boston's our home. This is where we started the brand. This is our biggest market, you know, and at that point it was really our, it still is our bread and butter, but that was just so awesome to, to get that message. And obviously we, we landed a partnership with those guys from, from that point on um, that we still have now as the official seltzer of uh, the Bruins and the Red Sox on Nesson. So we love that partnership. Um, but that was definitely one of the moments when it's like, Holy cow! Like you know, we're we're making yeah. steps here. <laughs> yeah, like things are, things are trending in in the right direction, which I feel like is such such a good feeling. Because I feel like every business and every career, like every business, is going to have 
highs and lows. Like mm-hmm. not every day is going to be picture perfect, right? And I think we've talked about it a lot on the on the podcast, just even with personal growth where like no growth is truly linear. It's not like it's a straight line that just goes up. Like there's going to be like a really good day and like a kind of shitty day and a slightly better day. But I feel like as long as it's like, mm-hmm. you know, month over month, year over year getting better, like that's kind of, that's what you want to look for. Exactly. those moments. And so. I feel like too, there's so many moments that just make me so proud and happy. Like whether it's I, I go into Loco or Lincoln and I just see a whole crowd of people yes. drinking Vivas or I see someone buying it at the package store or asking for it or telling me, coming up to me at an event, telling me how much they love it. Like it really it is awesome to, to hear what people say about it because once they try it, they, they love it. Yeah, like being somewhere from the beginning, like that's your baby. You know what I mean? You're like, all right, like I was a part of this from, you know, essentially the beginning and that must be a really good feeling. So you get the call from obviously like someone that you know and trust and they're like, I'm starting this company Mm -hmm. and, you know, I I want you to come on board. You're working, um, you know, at a bigger, more established company. Like you said, you were in the, in the corporate world. Yeah. You had a sales job. Um, you know, fellow woman in sales, you know, much respect for that because I know how hard it can be. What was going through your head in that moment where you just, was it an instant like, yes, I want to do this? Or did you have to kind of think about it? Because obviously you were giving up a lot. Yeah, no, I, I definitely thought about it. Like right when we started talking about it, um, I was excited about the opportunity, but it, it took us months before we both kind of were like, yes, this is happening. Like we're doing this. Okay. I'm jumping in with you. Um, so it, it did take months of consideration and talking about the brand and the business plan and everything that we um, had going to to make that jump over from being in corporate for eight years. And, you know, I had a, a pretty good role with those guys. I had gotten promoted a lot of times with Anheuser-Busch, but at that point it was like, I got tired of working for the man kind of thing. And right. I wanted to do something for my own and, and really bust my ass for, for myself. And obviously, you know, we are hoping to find a strategic partner at some point and and sell the business, but I'm also learning so much more now than I feel like I would have ever learned in corporate America just by wearing so many different hats and, you know, doing so many different things now on the business, like for the business that I'm that much more valuable to as a a business person now or as a candidate if I ever, you know, did something else or whatnot. Oh, I love that you said that. Because yeah, you're not, you're not siloed. Like you have some people who work at these massive corporate companies and you come in, your role is your role. And it's so well established. It's been around for so long. There's really not a lot of coloring outside the lines. And I feel like in your role, it's like, because you had to, it's like you're wearing all these hats, but think about how much more marketable that makes you. So I, I love it too. Like I love just working on the brand with people that are truly my friends and we're all just grinding together to to do what we can to make it as big of a success as possible. Like I, I wouldn't go back and change it. I think that things fell into place at the right time and that we're on a really good track with it. So I'm just super excited to see where it goes. So what are Viva's short-term and long-term goals, like 2024 and beyond? Mm-hmm. And does that include any new flavors? 
Yeah. So I'll start with the flavors. We are making some new flavors for next year. I won't give all of the the flavors now, but I'll give you some hints. (laughs) One is is a little spicy. Ooh. One is... That uh, is music to our ears. We love spicy. One's a little tropical. And then, you know, we've got some other good ones in the lineup too. We're still perfecting them. I think we're on our fifth iteration of trying the samples and changing the recipes and everything. We just did it this past weekend. We did the retasting. So they're coming along, which is exciting, but they're all very unique flavors, similar to how we have huckleberry or elderberry. We're not doing lime. We're not doing black cherry. We're not doing Honestly, thank lemon. God. Yeah, thank, thank <laughs> we don't you. need any more if black I have cherries. To, like, you know what? This like is going to sound really dramatic, but I'm a dramatic person. If I have to taste another, you know, black cherry flavored anything, like I think trauma, like I'm thinking back to college and I'm just like, no, like I'm doing this. I don't want to do this. I, I'd rather just not have anything. I think like when I first, I'm drinking the huckleberry, my, I, I told you this when we first were on zoom, my favorite flavor. I think it's just <laughs> genuinely good. Like I, I enjoy it and I like that it's different. So yeah, I, I can never understand that. I'm like, you know what? I've never started my own my own business. I guess unless you consider the podcast to be a business. Yes. I don't know. Up for debate. But (laughs) if I did, I'm like, I don't think I'd want to do something that, you know, is already out there, which I do. I get the mindset of like, take what's been done and maybe perfect it. But I really did like the fact that you guys were like, no, like, let's do something that's a little different, like an elderberry flavor. I'm like, I love that. That's fun. Yeah. And as far as the flavor too, we're really light, like I said, in carbonation, super light in tequila taste. A lot of our competitors are very tequila forward. So that's a, yeah. a differentiation uh, point for us where we're, we're not tequila forward. We're more like a, a regular seltzer water. So the, that's something that we're continuing on our new flavors. I think that's so important to note because I know we have a few friends that will not touch tequila. Nope. They are intimidated by it. They will gag at the just the word of tequila. <laughs> but I would be so interested to do like a blind taste test. Wait, yes. yeah, and yes. there's no way they'd be able friends. to tell. Yeah, there's no way because it is so light and refreshing that it just it just feels like another seltzer, but. Yeah. Better. A lot of times when we're doing tastings, if people kind of cringe at the tequila, I say, Oh, it's not like doing a tequila shot. Tastes like a tastes like a normal seltzer. Try it. And then they try it. They're like, I can't even believe that there's alcohol in here. So Yeah, yeah honestly, we really I don't taste them. any alcohol. I think that's probably why I like it. It's like mm-hmm. it's just it's chill. <laughs> I am so jealous of all the younger generations that, that that get to grow up with this because if I had this yeah instead of beer yeah yeah I'm just what? thinking about you cannot drink more than one Mike's Heart Lemonade mm-hmm. or Twisted Tea or any of that stuff you're no, right absolutely. we did kind of have it bad yeah like <laughs> seltzers seltzers didn't even come out I feel like it wasn't until like my junior or even senior year of college when I was kind of like mm-hmm. hearing about you know Trulies for the first time or hearing about White Claws and I, and we were, we would go to get alcohol at the store and all right we you know grab a bottle of Smirnoff grab a like I can't even say it like the what was it, like the sunset blush like Franzia bag yes. slapping the um, bag yep. and then like you know maybe like a twist like a pack of twisted teas and I remember when people were like wait a second like there's this you know this stuff it's like it's a hard, it's like a spiked seltzer. And I was kind of confused. I was like, what is it? Obviously, it became so popular so fast. I can't say I ever genuinely love the taste because like, I don't think I love like the malt Mm-mm. liquor, mm-hmm. like kind of watered down vibe. But I was like, oh, it's like a healthier option. And I feel like that's to your point why a lot of 
especially girls, instantly started drinking it. You didn't feel like you had one of them and you were full like you did with the twisted tea. It's like I could have two or three of these and be fine. But I guess like what I'm wondering is you said like you saw this need for a seltzer with, you know, tequila, Mm -hmm. tequila based. There are obviously companies that have now realized that and they're now coming out with tequila drinks too. I guess when you look at like competition, like what is your mindset? Are you like, okay, here are the brands we're competing against and like, we're trying to have an approach to monopolize the market or you're like, you know what? We're not even bothered by it. We're just doing our thing. What is your stance? Yeah. So we have become the number one tequila seltzer on premise in Boston. Um, you know, off Amazing. premise, High Noon is is still the biggest player, um, right. especially with their vodka, but they made a pretty big splash with their tequila. So we're still working our way up to that point. But when we look at competition, the the things that are most different between us and them are one, the flavors, two, the tequila forward, or, you know, with us, we're not tequila forward. Three, kind of like the the premiumness of the mm. brand where we're actually more expensive than White Claw, Truly, High Noon, a little bit more expensive. So you're, you're really trading up. And then lastly, again, not being big co. We're born in Boston. We like to do a lot of different partnerships here and across the Northeast and really everywhere, but we're doing things that you don't see Big Co doing, where you don't see High Noon or truly these guys doing Spartan Race, where we're the Spartan Race finisher beverage, or inside TD Garden here, inside North Station, we're doing a big Viva Victory Den bar right inside there. It's going to have a mural on the wall. Like We're doing all these guerrilla marketing type of things and events to to get our brand out there. This year, we did some wrapped Ubers that were Viva wrapped like we just really try to be scrappy and be unique and different um to set ourselves apart i love what you said about being scrappy mm-hmm. i feel yeah. like there's, there's not enough of that these days you know what i mean you get a little scrappy roll up the sleeves and be like all right let's go out there let's get creative yes and i realized i didn't answer the second part That's of your okay. question so um our goals for this year yeah. um this year, we have grown 250% versus last year. Wow. Um, so our goal for next year is to to triple our volume. We really are excited about the growth opportunities that we have. This year, we've gotten to, we're now in 10 states total. So our goal is to get some more full-service wholesalers in the East Coast states and kind of connect. We're in Maine, all the way down to Rhode Island and Connecticut, New Jersey, New York. Um, And we're in Florida, so we want to kind of connect the rest of the coast and expand out in California as well, where we're just in a few spots out there, San Francisco, um, a little bit in San Diego. So we have major expansion opportunities in in both of those two areas. So that's what we're looking to do for this year. And then I guess like when you look like, okay, I know you said eventually, obviously there's the goal is like maybe like to sell and to, you know, think about that obviously, which I feel like is the goal of a lot of companies that kind of start up and look to expand. Mm -hmm. Like when you look like five years down the line, like where do you see the company going? Like what would be a goal where you're like, that would feel good? Yeah. I mean, we, we dream big, you know, we want to be the next high noon really um, on the tequila side. So that's what we're trying to achieve. I mean, by that point, if we can be national and be the biggest player on the tequila side, or at least the, the top three nationally, that, and that's really, I think, the, the goal for at that point. You have to dream big. And you know what's so funny? I know this sounds bizarre, but obviously being a Boston girl myself— I already kind of feel that, like, don't you feel, and I'm, I'm not, I'm, truly, I promise I'm not just saying that because you're on the show. When we go to the bar, if they, if they have Vivas, like, we're all drinking Vivas. Like, there's been so many times where, like, if you were to see our group of friends out at the bar, like, I'm thinking about 
times that we're like, you know, at Causeway. And it's like the whole table is just full of like the whole rainbow of colors. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I already kind of feel that way, but it's because obviously we live in Boston. So I forget like, okay, there are some states that don't have access to it yet, but I could completely see that. Is there a world in which Viva would ever expand to vodka seltzers? Or do you think until... I don't think so at this okay. point. We're going to stick to tequila, at least for the um, for the near future. Um, if anything, I think if we did find a strategic partner, maybe we'd do something else in the space if it was a different brand or something like that. But gin. one step at go a time. For we're gonna, we're going no, for gin. No, vodka's over. Everyone thinks I'm a psycho, but like I low-key am like, come on, like give give gin a chance. Like not enough people do. I love gin. I, I love gin. I love gin in a, in a seltzer. You're right. Oh my God. I guess I'd be curious to know what that would be like. Maybe not. I'm curious, like, <laughs> is it? Would it be weird to do like a reposado tequila seltzer? Ooh. No, it, it wouldn't. And our um, watermelon has some notes of that, but we use Blanco and all of them just because we want to really have the flavor that we're trying to make each one taste like shine through. Okay. Um, so that's why we do use the Blanco. Blanco is the most like baseline. Like it's yeah. not. Yeah. Okay. But we could sense. definitely look at, you know, the other types of tequilas in there as we do expand. And th- that's probably something that we would look at down the line. Honestly, if if in three years I'm just like, you know, shopping and I, I turn and I see a Viva gin seltzer, like I think, I don't even know why, but I think that would just like complete my life. Like it'd just be one of those things. I know it probably will never happen, but if we ever make be, it, I will send you a I Thank send you. you a that would literally it. mean the world to me. Okay. So we've heard all of your short-term and long-term goals, but let's pivot to some advice for the baddies listening. I think let's dial it back to, you know, being a successful entrepreneur, what kind of sacrifices should you expect to make? And like, what sacrifices did you personally make to be where you are today? Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, jumping from corporate to startup life, if you are going to start your own brand or your own company, just be prepared to um, really devote yourself to it. I mean, I, as well as Stephen and Chris, we all live, breathe, eat, sleep, viva. I mean, it's it's all day long and we never really fully shut off from that. Yeah. There's no so, like hours. Exactly. Like, it's your and, and, it's, and it's our business. So if something happens off hours, like we're still dealing with it. Right. So um, that's, I think the biggest thing is just, um, you know, even if you didn't want to be that way, you just naturally end up kind of devoting yourself to it. Yeah. Um, so that's the the biggest thing is just like be ready for that um that shift. And also I've learned, you know, you really have to work on the balance too. It's so easy to just constantly be doing things for your business that, you know, you need to make sure that you make a little bit of time for yourself to do the things you like, whether it's working out or, you know, spending time with family so that you don't burn out. That's something that I think is probably really common in startups. Um, So that's a piece of advice too, I would say is, you know, keep that balance. And in the beginning, especially, I think it's pretty hard. I learned that one a little bit the hard way. Um, (laughs) But it's important. It's so important. I'm so glad that you said that you talked about the burnout because I feel like that is a little bit under talked about with with anything. I think um, there's so many people out there that have a dream, a goal, like something they want to start, whether that be like a, a clothing brand that, you know, whether it's social media, you know, a company. And it is really exciting, but I feel like a lot of people like underestimate 
you know, the toll it can take on you if you're putting 100% in and you're not setting any sort of boundaries. Um, I even think back to like, you know, Abby, when you and I first started the podcast and before we had Big Night and we had anyone to help us edit or any sort of structure. And she and I would like, we'd work our corporate jobs during the day. We'd film the podcast on her iPhone Mm -hmm. and then we'd stay up till one in the morning. Honestly, most nights editing and clipping and posting the episodes on YouTube. And I feel like from the outside looking in, it looked like, oh, like they're just, they're doing this cute, fun thing. Like it takes such a toll on you. And I remember getting super burned out to the point where in the beginning, I'm like, I can do this forever. Like this is sustainable. But within like, honestly, six months of doing that every single day, I burnt myself out to the point where I was like, I can't edit another thing for the rest of my life. And I'm like, I look back at that and it took me like probably a good like, honestly, like six to eight months to get over that period where I felt like, okay, I want to start putting stuff out there again. So I think um, what you just said is so crucial about like, yes, you want to be dedicated to your company and your business. You have to put in some long hours and it's probably not for the faint of heart, but don't overdo something. Like look at what you can do long-term and what you can do sustainably because you don't want to be burned out in like six months and just kind of give up on it. Yeah. And I will say it's, it is extremely rewarding to, you know, be part of the startup and grow it from the ground up and see what it's becoming each each day and like the little the little wins of, you know, you get a new account on board or um, get a, get a new wholesaler signed up or, you know, each of those things. It's yeah. like you're constantly getting wind in your sails from all of these little wins along the way. Um, and even just growth things for me that I didn't maybe have the opportunities for in corporate America where here I'm managing our whole sales force and, you know, working on, on that as a, as you know, their line manager, if you will, and getting feedback from them and helping them grow. So every time I see them get better or do something really well, or tell me that like they appreciated my help with something, like it makes me feel good too. So it's, it's very rewarding to, to be working for yourself. Our next bit of advice, I think that we kind of wanted to hear from you is, again, I think a lot of our listeners are, you know, college age, they just graduated, maybe like early to mid twenties. What advice would you have for someone specifically like a woman, you know, they're graduating college and they're wondering Mm -hmm. what they should do for their first job. Should they go corporate America? Should they work for a big company, a small company? Should they care more about the company itself that they're working for or what their physical role and what their title is at that company. Like, I guess what, what advice would you have for someone that's like looking to start their big, mm-hmm. their first big job and like what they should kind of look for out of a company? Yeah. I think that what you're actually doing and the experience you're getting is more valuable than, you know, the the company name per se. Yeah. Um, just because if you do all of these responsibilities and have all of these projects and get all these results on things that you'll need at the next company, that's maybe a bigger company, that's going to help propel you forward to that move. So I would look for somewhere where there's room for you to grow and, you know, move up within the company, you're going to look for somewhere where you're going to learn the skills that you need to get you to the next steps of, you know, what you're thinking for your career. And you might not know all of that yet, but just having those, um, those different opportunities. But I, I think that it's more in what you're doing versus who you're doing it for. And there's always that opportunity to hop around too yeah. from, from company to company. The other thing I would say is don't be afraid of the startups either because you learn so much, so much faster yeah. than you do in corporate America. So 
Um, I'd encourage people too to to look at that as an opportunity where you know you're working on a startup and, and building something from the ground up. Like I said, um, that's a great way to go too. When you're interviewing, I know that just upon like speaking to like my friends and then my experience and stuff, I feel like when I was, you know, 22 years old and I was graduating, I wish that on interviews and luckily I did end up at a company where I felt like I got this anyways, but I didn't have the boldness to ask questions like, how do you plan on utilizing me in this role? Will I have the ability to, you know, do X, Y, and Z in this role? Like, will I be able to take in a creative approach? Will I be able to, you know, get my hands in like different teams and take on different responsibilities? I didn't ask those questions because I was so focused on like, can I get this job? The benefit. Yeah. yeah, like, can yeah, I get this job? Or like, yeah. am I going to, you know, what's the salary going to be? And like, you know, is it is it hard? <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, my mindset was so different, but you're right. Like being fully utilized and like thinking about, okay, in five years, am I going to have this, like all these skills I can add on to my resume and propel my career forward? Like, I feel like that's such a good mindset to take. So baddies, if you're listening to this and like you're <laughs> applying to jobs, like have that boldness. Cause it'll impress people too. If I interview someone and they're getting on that interview and they know what they want and they're like, will I be able to do this? Like, how can this, like, how could I get involved in this? This project? Am I going to be able to take on this sort of opportunity? Like, I would be really impressed by that, by those sort of questions. So, the other uh, feedback that I'd give too for the baddies out there that are looking for that. their jobs <laughs> is networking. You know, and yeah. that's something that I've I've started to get better at through my career. But early on, I was probably terrible at it. Where you know, reach out to people that you know at certain companies, even if you don't know people at companies where you're looking to interview. Reach out to people that work there. Grab a coffee with them. Chat with them. About about the role or the company and the culture. And I'm sure they'll be more than happy to uh, to chat with you. Yeah, I think that's really good advice because I know when I was in college, I thought networking was a chore. It was something that I didn't yeah. want to do. I didn't want to put myself out there. I was afraid of getting rejected. Oh, why would this person want to get coffee with little old me? Mm-hmm. But like, as I've gotten older and, you know, how many years are we post-grad six or I don't know how many years we are, six years, whatever years, (laughs) I've gotten way more comfortable with putting myself out there. And I feel like a few years ago during the pandemic, it was a really scary time. A lot of people were getting laid off left and right. And, you know, they didn't have the chance to be picky with where they worked, who they worked for. They Mm -hmm. they were kind of just taking what they could get because they didn't want to be on the couch home alone in the middle of the pandemic anymore. You know, they wanted to get back out there. So I guess now that we're in a little bit of a better spot, I mean, there's still a lot of layoffs. I feel like on LinkedIn, I'm seeing left and right. But what advice would you have for, you know, people that do want to take the risk to jump to a new career, like completely switch their career and do what they're passionate about? Yeah, do it. I mean, you're not locked into anything. There's always opportunities to jump around. If if you try something and it's not for you, you can go do something else. So That's it's, a good point. it's worth the risk. Yeah. You know, I think that people get so hung up in, okay, I'm gonna I'm doing this and I'm stuck in it. Like you're not. So you oh, could jump around. It's so true. I love that you said that because s- someone told me once they were like, you're making up you're you're like trapping yourself Mm -hmm. in this like prison that you created in your mind no one is trapping you like you can you can wake up tomorrow and you can leave 
you can wake up tomorrow and you can start a new career. You can do anything you want. But I feel like it's oftentimes like ourselves where it's like, we have this idea where like, oh, I can't leave or what will people think? I just started this job, right? And it's like, you have to be confident enough to be like, no, I know what I want for my future and for my career. If I'm not in the right spot, I need to be confident and bold enough to leave. So I love that you said that. And I love what you said about networking too, because it is, it is true. I think a lot of us have a fear of like, inconveniencing people, taking up space. I love when, if someone reaches out to me and they're like, hey, we went to college together and like, I see you work here and like, you know, can you meet for coffee or give me any advice? Like, I love that. Like, I think giving back is so important. So you'd be surprised. I think a lot more people are like willing to help than you might think that they are. Mm -hmm. So I think just like putting yourself out there, the worst thing that happens is they don't answer you. And it's like, whatever. We just talked about like, you know, take the risk, go for it, be bold, understand what you want. So if you are someone, if, if like, you know, someone's listening to this and they're interested in either starting, you know, maybe one of their friends just started a new brand and they want to bring them on board or they're interested in working at a startup, but they're like, oh, it's so new. I don't know a lot about it yet. There's no like, you know, glass door, mm-hmm. you know, reviews or anything. What are some things you'd look for? Like, you know, I guess green flags that you would look for out of either the person who started the company, out of the company itself, where you're like, yeah, this might be a good risk to take versus, you know, maybe a company that you're like, eh, this this is a little shady and maybe you should do a little research before you get involved. Yeah. You have to do your research either way um, to know, you know, is it the right time in the industry that you're looking to go into for that brand or for that product? Um, You need to research the people that you'd be working with and again, network, like reach out to maybe people that have worked with them, like find your mutual connections on LinkedIn and reach out to those people. Like those are some of the things that that I would do to vet the opportunity. But, you know, as far as having a job, I think there's something to be said too about like making something a side gig or even if you're considering, you know, oh, maybe I want to join a startup, work with the startup on the side a little bit. Startups look for that kind of thing all the time. So you can kind of test the waters and see, is this something that I can see myself doing and and working on? As um, as my full-time career. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Morgan, for coming on. Please tell the baddies where they can find Viva. Yeah. So you can get Viva pretty much all over Boston and across the state. We have a store finder on our website and on our Instagram that shows all the stores. When you type in your zip code or your address, it'll pop everything up there for you. But all the total wines, the market baskets, the Whole Foods, the Cappies, the Blanchards, all the big liquor stores. I live across um, from a Cappies. This is perfect. <laughs> yes. And then all the love liquor that. stores in Southie. We are talking about some of the great bars we have earlier. We've got... Oh, yes. You know, the Moxies are our, our personal favorite right now. And everyone else is in Boston because of the line, the line. snaking around the, the block the other day. <laughs> yep. And then we're in a bunch down here. The greatest bar, Hurricane Tarp, pretty yes. much everywhere in Southie. Healthy, like local Lincoln, Rose Lions, all those great spots. So come get us there. And then we also created a discount code for our website. If for any reason you can't find us in your We have baddies all over. Yeah. They're not just the Boston baddies. So you can order on our website uh, for 30% off. The code is drinks, D-R-I-N-K-S. And Yay. that'll get you 30% off. Perfect. What is the website? 
VivaTequilaSeltzer.com. Okay, so VivaTequilaSeltzer.com. You guys can use the promo code DRINKS and you'll get 30% off of your purchase. Honestly, too, like I'm one of those people where like I like to order my alcohol online, especially when it's like negative like 25 degrees out or at least it feels <laughs> mm-hmm. like it's negative 25 degrees out. But thank you so much, Morgan, for thank you coming guys. on, telling us about your awesome company. You literally combined... I feel like our like mission statement drinks after work. Like we just, Abby and I just left work. We came here, we're having a drink. We're getting to meet a new friend. This has been so much fun. And I feel like the company and everything is just like so targeted towards like things I'm passionate about. I love, um, you know, everything that you've done. So thank you for coming on and taking a few minutes to explain what you have going on. And we're excited to see, you know, Viva grow over the next few years. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. And can they find you on Instagram? Yeah. Yes. Viva Seltzer. At Viva Seltzer. Yep. Okay. V-I-V-A. V-I-V-A V-I-V-A Seltzer. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you, baddies, so much for listening to another episode of Drinks After Work. We love you. If you like what you heard, follow us on Instagram. It's at drinksafterwork underscore. Follow us on TikTok. It's at drinksafterwork no underscore score. Oh. Score. <laughs> and if you're a girl in the Boston area looking to make new friends, join our private Facebook group. There's over 8,000 girls waiting to be your friend. Yes, absolutely. And stay tuned. Um, I think our goal is to, um, you know, I, Viva, you guys do events and things like that mm-hmm. too, right? So stay tuned for some fun, exciting things that they have coming up, especially if you're a baddie in the Boston area. Bye, See you guys, guys next week. Bye. Bye.